Soldiers, the threat facing us today is beyond our collective ability to stop. We've already seen its incredible powers that destroyed everything from Halifax to New York while the weapons did no more than annoy it. For that reason, the governments of the world have seen fit to release some very select, secret, super-powered entities that we can only hope will do the job. I cannot accept that course of action. I cannot accept that course of action. Steve! <laughs> My computer is the best on earth. You're going to have to go much slower if you expect me to understand you. Yes, I can see you're happy. I can see that very well. You're moving around as fast as you can and leaping away like mad. But why? What makes you so happy? Man, we just got our ass handed to us, now we're gonna depend on a hunk of junk to save our butts? We're never getting out of here, man! I've done it! Optimus Prime lives! Our leader is back! Yes, Skylings! And now no force in the universe will stop me! How long have I been gone? Too long! We are all in grave danger! Tell me all that has happened! Love scanning for life forms. Life forms. You tiny little life forms. You precious little life forms. Where are you? Some of these special soldiers are double-edged swords and require careful handling in order not to take us out too. Gordon, Matu, Rada. Nikto. Latu. Barada. Nikto. Nice night for a walk. Wash day tomorrow. Nothing clean, right? <laughs> Nothing clean, right. Hey, I think this guy's a couple cans short of a sick. Very confidently that it's going to be all right again. I feel much better now. I really do. So this is how we're supposed to get out of this mess, man? We're supposed to depend on these hunks of metal to bail the world out of this freaking huge crap pile? Game over, man! Game over! Buck up, soldier! We've got one more weapon up our sleeve! Live from the internet, it's RPG Backtrack! <laughs> Today we take a trek with a bunch of RP Gamer staff and their merry robot friends. We also discuss a crisis that cuts right to the core, and Mike talks to us about a little jewel from the Orient called Kabuki Rocks. All of this and so much more on today's episode of RPG Backtrack. Welcome to RPG Backtrack. My name is Phil Willis. And my name is Mike Minky. And we're here to bring you episode number 13, Trekking on the SNES. We've got a couple of really great guests with us. Returning back to RPG Backtrack, we have Mr. Tom Goldman. Hello. How go with things, Mr. Goldman? Good. I was trying to be a little more excited this time. Great effort. We'll give you an A. 
<laughs> and his first time on the brand new spanking crystal sparkling RPG backtrack, Mr. Jonathan Self. Hello. How are you doing, Mr. Jonathan? Hey. I'm pretty decent. Ah. Ate me a fresh baked cookie, sitting around. Oh. Couldn't be better. Well, that's great. Mr. Jonathan, we got this little uh, little, little thing on RPG Backtrack. We'd like to ask a couple of questions of our first-time uh, visitors here on the show. Can you tell everybody here in RPG Backtrack land uh, what you do at RP Gamer, what your handle is? Tell us about yourself. Uh, what I do at RP Gamer is um, I'm technically new updates editor. I'm head of the news department. It's basically just an administrative and managerial position. It's kind of difficult. I help coordinate the new updates department, which includes new up uh, news updates and columns. Uh, as far as my handle, my handle here is Neist, uh, which people say at Neist sometime too. Uh, what was the other thing that you asked me? I can't remember. Well, give us a brief overview of your gaming history. Tell us, how, how did you become an RP gamer? Uh, I'm not sure if I'm not sure if I specifically label myself an R myself an RP gamer, but uh, you know when you're young and you don't have a lot of money and you get two games a year, you tend to get a lot of RPGs because <laughs> they last real long. So uh, I just ended up playing a lot of RPGs when I was younger. You know, I hit a lot of the Super in Super Nintendo highlights, and um, eventually, years and years later, I ended up here just out of sheer coincidence. Ah, what keeps you here? Ah. Did you fall in love with RPGs? You just can't get enough of them? Yeah, even still, I play them moderately with all the other genres. But uh, mostly just the community here. I like the community here. It is a fun community. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. It's an awesome community. What's your, what's, your, what's your favorite type of RPG overall? Do you prefer the more action RPG type games or the more traditional games? Or Definitely more action-oriented games. I've always been more of an action RPG fan. And I didn't actually realize that until... Um, not pretty recently, last couple of years, but I've always enjoyed action RPGs more than, you know, traditional Final Fantasy Dragon Quest type turn-based RPGs. So what's your, what's, so is your favorite part of the RPGs then possibly the combat system or the story or what do you like the most? Uh, combat system's important. I'm a big mechanics person. I like the mechanics. I would say mechanics and setting things that can really pull me into an RPG is the setting of the world. Like, you know, what sort of, not necessarily the story, but even more than that, you know, what type of uh, world is it in? What's the general, like, um, I can't think of the right word, but I like the Secret of Mana because, like, the entire concept of the, the world tree and things like that. I mean, it's it's not necessarily part of the direct story, but, you know, the entire setting surrounding the story. That really pulls me into games. And along those lines, what's your favorite RPG of all time? Uh, this is going to sound really generic because it just came out, but I, I would have to say probably Mass Effect 2. I, I really enjoyed Mass Effect 2. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How many times have you played it by now? <laughs> uh, Mass Effect 2 I've played about two and a half times. Mm -hmm. That how validates my perfect <laughs> review. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would have Sorry. if I would have reviewed it. If I would have reviewed it, I would have given it a perfect score too. I probably I wouldn't have given oh, yeah. the first one, but yeah, the first one I wouldn't have given a perfect score, but the second one I would have. What did you two oh. feel? Since I mean, just real quick, what what did you two feel was an improvement on this second one? Oh, the inventory for one. Uh, 
people uh, criticized um, how they took away the inventory. Really, the second game doesn't even have an inventory, but um, it was a, a drastic change, but it was a much-needed change, and what they did, they did well. So um, that was really great. Greatly improved. Something that was might be considered kind of minor, but they integrated the system in such a way in combat where you didn't have to pause as often. You could do everything on the fly. And I played nearly, the game nearly entirely paused in between actions. Mm. So I really like the way that they optimized the combat system a lot. So, How about you, Tom? How, how did you um, feel? Yeah, I like how the entire game was just... Like, it was... It was easy to play, not like the first game where you were kind of annoyed as you had to drive over all the planets and, um, I don't know, annoyed as you're trying to manage your inventory. This game, it was just, it was, you're constantly exploring a new place and there was always something interesting going on. Everything always looked good. I guess you could say the planet scanning was annoying, but it wasn't so bad that it, it, uh, that it, it hurt the game too much for me. And I did do it a lot, so obviously I didn't hate it too much. But yeah, it was yeah, just it, they they streamlined the game. And yeah, and it wasn't necessary that you scan every planet either, which is nice, so. Right, but I did it anyway, so obviously there was something that hooked me in. And also um I think it pretty much amazed me how they allowed uh they they took so many choices from the first game and carried they carried like every single choice over and I was pretty impressed by that. Yeah, that's something I kind of miss from some of the older series like the the Gold Box series and stuff that ability to carry you know something over, but the the fact that your choices even carry over is definitely a, something of a breakthrough. I, I I can't even think of an RPG where your actual choices that you made in the last one, aside from your party choices or whatever have you, would actually carry over to the sequels like that. And you know, once you realize that, you really want that to be in every other game. You know, you want to have consequence. You want to have reward. You know. So yeah. But we're not here to talk about modern RPGs, are we? And RPG Backtrack, we like to talk about things from the past, and that's going to bring us into our next section, Blast from the Recent Past. So this uh, this this time last year, uh, two years ago in 2008, uh, for the last half of March 2008, there were two games, uh, two RPGs that came out: Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core for the PSP and Opuna for the Wii. So let's take uh, let's take the uh, the most popular one first: Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core. I was a little surprised this game wasn't a little bit more um, popular just given the huge pedigree that Final Fantasy VII carries with it or whatnot. It just didn't seem to me that as many of my friends and stuff were picking up and playing on it. Did, did you guys have a similar experience? Never played it. Yeah, never played it either. I, I've Even at that point, I, I, I think one reason that it might have been because of that is... Is the uh, PSP is hard to keep people's attention anymore? I mean, you know, just I'm not sure what the deal is about it is, but you know, it doesn't seem like it gets as much attention or love as it it probably should get. I love my PSP. I'll have to ask a friend of mine if he played it, but somehow I doubt it since he despised Final Fantasy VII in the first place. 
Now, I, I, you know, my, I, I didn't actually have a chance to to play it at the time. I was extremely busy with with my work, but I did pick it up, and my my wife was playing it and gave me some feedback on it and whatnot. But she, she was she was enjoying it. it. It's a little bit, uh, it seemed a little bit more relaxing, a little bit easier to play than some of the more um, hard hardcore, I guess, RPGs out there or whatnot. Um, of course, it was it was covered rather well by RP Gamer. In fact, uh, three of our staff members uh, reviewed it. Uh, Mike Tidwell gave it actually a very high uh, four point uh, five out of five, um, and hmm. just basically um, said that it did a lot of a lot of things so right. Um, it could have used a little bit more exploration um, and whatnot, but it was just a really really solid RPG all around. Great graphics, uh, great music, and uh, an awesome uh, um, cast of characters that were outside of the core Final Fantasy VII characters so little definitely a different uh, side story that's worth uh, checking out uh mike uh, cunningham gave it a 3.5 out of 5 uh, he also enjoyed the presentation the soundtrack and he he liked how it clarified some of the backstory from the original game but he didn't feel that the uh he felt that the randomness of the battle system was was definitely a, a step back and i remember this when my wife was playing how some of some of the things that would happen in the game were literally <laughs> literally dependent on some roulette wheels or something like that um, and whatnot. So it definitely it felt. Oh, and even the leveling up. Now I remember her telling me about that. The leveling up was random. It seemed to be random. So depending on, I can't remember if it was depending on these roulette wheels or whatever have you. Instead of having a traditional experience point system, and you would know exactly when you were about to level up or whatever have you. Um, uh, you could be playing through a battle, uh, get to the end, level up, play the next battle, and if you were real lucky, level up on that next battle too. Uh, but of course, the flip side of that, sometimes you would go through a good string of uh, battles, and um, and not get anything out of that. So, um, and 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 one of the other common complaints Mike listed here, and I remember hearing hearing this from a couple of my friends and whatnot, is that uh, the optional missions were kind of dull. There were lots of optional missions. We're talking like hundreds. So I remember, I remember seeing quite a few people going, and eh, you know, these things are kind of vanilla after a while. They don't really carry a lot of meat to them like good side missions usually do. So, um, any y'all have any other thoughts or comments on Crisis Core? None whatsoever. <laughs> Reader Jeremy Gallen. Reader Jeremy Gallen gave it a four point out of five. Who? Jerry Gallen, also known as Otterland. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's a reader review, but yeah, I mean, I think generally people liked it. It wasn't like a runaway success. It wasn't a you know five out of five across the board. Some people liked it more than others, um, and whatnot. But I I kind of like the fact that they that they did something different with this one, and, th- and that's what they did with Final Fantasy Thirteen as well. I like the fact that they step out of the box, take some risk, and do some things differently, and it's gonna ionize some people, you know. Or ionize, yeah. polarize. I meant polarized. And <laughs> ionize. ionize them, so ionize. their hair is fresh. <laughs> <laughs> so their hair is sticking. I've up never on seen him. anyone being ionized before. What happens? Uh, <laughs> like what happens to um, the guy who got sucked into Tron? What's his name? Jeff Bridges. That's what it looks like. Mm. You know, mm. when he gets zapped, and he never mind. Toasty. Does it come complete with 3D effect? Yep. Nice. 
And I, I will say I agree. I don't know if it was uh, Tom. I think it was Tom who might have said maybe John, but I kind of agree that the PSP lo does this a lot, where you don't hear for you can go for months out of time without any good games coming out, and then when one comes out, you just kind of miss it because you're no longer even paying attention to the PSP. And I mean, I think we're kind of in a little bit of an RPG rut right now at the PSP. Mm -hmm. No, Lunar just came out, and I'm enjoying that immensely. Ah, pff, Lunar. I mean, yeah, it's a great RPG, but it's like it's been released a couple times before. It's For me, it's not I a big deal because I played it. Uh, it's It was good when I played it back 10 years ago or whatever have you. I just, <laughs> I, I, no, I, you know, it's just, to me, it doesn't, I, I, the story and the music is awesome. I really do love the story and the music. I just, that battle system is so <laughs> vanilla. I just couldn't make myself go through it again. I remember when I was playing it 10 years ago uh, and even thinking to myself, gosh, I just want to get through these battles just so I can see the next song or see the next you know, cut of the, 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 the movies or the animes or the storyline. I just wanted to get through the, the boring battles because they just nonplussed me. But That's fair. I like it, but that, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. But, um, uh, but aside from that, I mean, what else has been on the PSP, I don't know, since November, really? Uh-huh. Well, I know there's a new one. There's a new one coming out this month, isn't there? What's it called? It's got a weird Mimana name. Mimana ER Chronicle. Thank you. I, I saw the trailer for that. That was so funny. That was if you gotta look up the trailer. It's just hilarious. Whew. Anywho, um, back to our old games. Um, Opuna. <laughs> Buddha came out March 25th, 2008 for the Nintendo Wii. Unfortunately, didn't quite fare in, uh, as well in our reviews and other people's reviews um, as Final Fantasy Crisis Core. Um, Apuna, if you if you never heard of this before, it was a, it was it, it was because it was something I really kept a close eye on, uh, being that you really don't got a ton of RPGs on the Wii. Uh, it was it was it was supposed to be an RP. Well, it is an RPG experience where it involves the motion controls during battle. One of the neat things that's supposed to be a major selling point is the fact that um, I, I think it's a ball that you throw or something like that to attack your enemies with, or something along those lines, um, or you shoot them with the thing that you kind of throw. Uh, that 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 was a kind of a major you know kick for the battle system and whatnot. And um, um, and I'll, I'll just kind of read a little bit from uh, from Sean uh, Kepper's review. He he reviewed this for uh, RP Gamer uh, uh, back a couple years ago. Uh, but he says uh, Tizian's attack by tilting the analog stick with the Wii nunchuck uh, bonbons <laughs> can be hurled at all sorts of angles and velocities, depending on how much and in which direction the control stick is held. This plays heavily into the strategy involved in battles. Some enemies are more easily taken down by shots from the top of their heads, while others are armored by shields on the right sides and cannot be effectively attacked in that direction. There's also many obstacles in a battlefield that must be avoided by attacking around them. When the party grows to maximum party size of three, there's plenty of action, and the game just doesn't give the player a chance to breathe, especially against bosses. So, you know, this sounded really, really cool, and this was, like I said, it was one of the major selling points when I was when when they were doing previews for the games and whatnot. Um, but unfortunately, the, the execution uh, just really wasn't all that polished. Sometimes the battles you could get through them uh, really quick and then in other battles they would just totally mop the floor with you and I think uh, aside from the battle system probably the one of the biggest thing was that um, uh, was that it was just took so long to get from from point A to point B uh, like for example in the town where you would have an elevator that could go up from let's say the f first to the fourth floor <laughs> you literally had to stop at every floor and run to another elevator rather than just having one elevator take you all the way to the top so it, it was um, yeah, it was, it was definitely a few misses there that really took away from the enjoyment of, of the game and kind of became 
one of the one of the many forgettable titles on the Wii. So <laughs> that's too bad. Mm. If I remember correctly, uh, they actually had to get Sean to do it. Back then, not all of us had Wii's, and uh, he's not even. If you remember, I'm not sure. Did any of you work when Sean was here? I don't. I mean, I he was. I, I was just coming on when Sean was leaving, and and he and, and him and I still chit chat to this day. He's more of a PC guy. I mean, so it was, it was definitely out of his normal genre. You know, he was very much a PC gamer. Oh. But yeah, the big shtick was that, if I'm not mistaken, it was n- played nearly entirely with a nunchuck. So it was just weird. You can pick it up pretty cheaply now. It looks like Amazon has it for only twenty bucks. So mm. might be worth a try. Yeah, yeah, it might be worth it if 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 you just got to you know if you don't really have anything else lined up and queued up to to play my pick up from the bargain bin and give it a shot and see whether or not it's something that kind of grows on you because you know the the reviews on that one were um, you know there there were a couple people that gave it a a good score like a seven or an eight out of ten so you know some Amazon people has it for, Amazon has it for twenty I see it for less than that on eBay I see one for eleven bucks there well there you go so. Uh, Give it a shot. If that's something you're into, and I think that's uh, pretty much uh, the, the, that's all we have. Let's let's without further ado, let's talk about robots in our game discussion. This week on Backtrack, we're talking about everyone's favoritely forgotten RPG on the SNES, uh, RoboTrack. Woo! So, ah, <laughs> oh, RoboTrack. Did it? Did 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 any of y'all play? Just out of curiosity, did any of y'all uh, get to play this right when it uh, came out way back in the day? Yeah, I actually I think I'm the only one of us that did. No, oh, I, I played. I, 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 I did. I did. I I played it on the SNES probably within a you know probably within a year that it came out. I didn't grab it right at right at release. Yeah, it was a Christmas present, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think it was a birthday present. It was a Christmas present way back in the day. I, I played it a lot actually. Yeah, it was released on uh, October first, nineteen ninety five, uh, by Enix, which was later on, of course, bought uh, or taken over by Square uh, and whatnot. About. Um, uh, it wasn't the most. It certainly wasn't the most popular, most advertised game. I I I remember just seeing it on the shelf, and you know, a futuristic theme on a Super Nintendo game was enough to get me to at least pick up and look at the box. And the fact that it was made by Enix, who made uh, Dragon uh, Warrior Four, which I liked, uh, was enough to get me to uh, to buy it and give it yeah, a it shot. Ha- it didn't help. The box was also very generic. If if any of our listeners wants to look it up, it's it's a very generic. It looks like a space, space station. Pack. Yeah, just a space station, generic space station. I mean, it could have been a any type of game, really. It might have not even been an RPG. <laughs> well, that's the weirdest cover. You you know you know it's 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 a really bad cover when when somebody has to write on the side another great RPG from Enix. <laughs> you <know>, they, <laughs> they, they had. To... I honestly thought I honestly thought that it was like a Turrican game or something. I, I like thought it was yeah. from. I don't know. Yeah, yeah you're, with that you're right. with that name, I would have thought it was like a shmup. I would have thought it was a shmup, honestly. But yeah, I'm not even sure what attracted me to it when we got it when I got it way back in the day. But for whatever reason, we picked it up. Hmm. So, what were your initial impressions when you when you were playing the game back in those days? 
Oh, back in those days? Uh, I really liked the system, though. Uh, I mean, maybe we should explain a little bit of, of how the game basically functions. There's a... Uh, you're a kid, and uh, how the battle system works is you use your robots to battle, but it's some sort of weird, like, active time, like, battle system, sort of like Final Fantasy 3 slash 6, you know, depending on what region you're going for, uh, but you don't fight at all. Your robots Based fight. what I've been seeing so far, it's only active time that there's a counter, and if you can yeah. kill everything before the counter counts down, then you get extra experience and these capsules that sometimes show yeah. up on the battlefield, you can get their contents. But if you wait yeah. too long, yeah. then you lose out on all the extras. Well, yeah, but it is it is like the final. He he's right in like it's like the Final Fantasy six uh, three slash six. I think it's that battle system where uh, you have little gauges that fill up, but unlike seven. Uh, the battle doesn't continue when it's your turn. The game waits for you. It's like I think it's like Final, yeah. you know, and a lot of Final Fantasies. I know you can go in and set the system to active or wait. It's just like a Final Fantasy game with the system on wait, where as soon as that bar is filled up for that character, it waits for your input input command before the bars start filling up for the enemies too. Yeah, but anything can happen up to that point. So mm-hmm. you know, if your bar for whatever reason just doesn't fill up very fast, then a lot of guys can do things to you up until that point. But uh, instead of fighting, you had your robots fighting for you, and well, I guess you could say the main shtick of the game is that you invent things for your robots to use in combat. That's kind of like the main operating mechanic. You know, you can put weapons on them, you can put different things to put on their back, you know, you can put different boots to make them, you know, different types of movements so they can be faster, or they're better armored. Lots yeah, of different and weapons. And yeah, lots of different weapons. Types all have uh, different wait times after you use them. Yeah, and and that really is what pulled me in specifically. I mean, like you know, I'm, to my knowledge, I had never seen anything like that up until that point. So, and I guess in uh, hindsight, the company that made it, Quintet, if it, I think that's how you say that, right? And I think it's a say the company name. Quintet. Yeah. yeah, they made a whole bunch of other really unique, strange games, and I'm you know I really didn't think about it back at the time, but you know I guess that's what kind of they were their thing back in the day. Cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. And now, what else did they make? Uh, they made Terra Enigma, which was that uh, PAL uh, ah. and Japanese only release. They made a little yeah. bit of Gaia. Yeah, I they, hate Terra they... because I bought the stupid thing and I tried to play it on an NTSC Super Nintendo and it wouldn't work. Oh, that stinks. They made ActRaiser. They made the ActRaiser games. Oh, so they made cool stuff. Yeah, they did. Oh, Very the different. Pretty good. Oh. Mm-hmm. ActRaiser yeah, pe- no. <laughs> Yeah, people didn't have a lot of love for ActRaiser 2, but they definitely had a pretty good track record up to that point. Did John, did you say that you liked it so much that you – was it you who said you played it through like two, three times or something? Oh, no. I, I played through maybe five or six times. <laughs> five or six times. <laughs> yeah. See, here, this goes – this will require a little bit of back backstory. See, I had a very boring childhood, and during the summers I would just sit around by myself and play usually one game a lot. And uh, one of the summers was the summer that I played uh, hundreds and hundreds of hours into Final Fantasy 3 slash 6, depending, again, what you want to go by. And uh, one of the other summers is when I played this game. So I've played through it quite a few times. And what about you, Tom? When did you play it? Ro- uh, Robotrek? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was just messing with my DSi XL. Um, Let's talk about your DS. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just setting the date. 
Um, a Robo Trek. I played that uh, like last week. How big I is the date? Heard of it. I never even heard. Is the date so big that you can see it without your bifocals on by chance? Um, the date is about. I'd say it's about one in one by one and a half inches. The date alone. Dang, Whoa. that's a big date. Yeah, it's pretty big. It's it's well worth the uh, the money. <laughs> um, but yeah, I hadn't even that size I, of date. I haven't. I hadn't even heard of Robotrek before this podcast, so it was interesting really? to go and, and play and try it out because it's actually, I think, a really cool game. So tell us your take on it from a perspective of of some a modern gamer who's just walked up and started playing this. How well uh, does it hold up uh, compared to today? What elements uh, help it to stand out compared to you know what we might see on let's say the DS today or something? Okay, yeah, well, I think it's uh, probably one of the most unique games that I've played, at least from that from that era, even from today's era. Uh, it's it's like they just kind of came up with something completely new, like completely new systems, and said, hey, let's give it a shot. I mean, you you build robots, and then they battle for you, and you can you can completely uh, customize all their stats. Like, you can make, you can give them, like, all power and no defense. You can customize uh how fast they their their time bar regenerates and like uh john was saying uh you can give them different weapons like a sword uh hammer what axe punch everything like there's so much that's customizable about there's about different, yeah, there's, different, there's different variations of each weapon so you know there might be six different versions of swords and they all do different things so you know it's not like it's just graphical changes or one stronger so like one of the higher well, swords actually shoots lightning at things one thing I would like to mention that you still don't see very often is that every weapon looks different on screen mm-hmm. and, and I love that too and I like to point out when you say uh, when you say you're able to go in and and, and set the abilities on these robots you, you, it's exactly like you said you can go in as long as you're in a shop or whatever you can change these things at any time any time you can go in and, and tweak these robots until unlike most most role-playing games where as your characters are building up you got to make one choice here or make a couple ability points there and you're stuck with it for the rest of your life i don't know why more games haven't picked up on this but it's so much more fun we can go in and just totally mess with those numbers any which way you want whenever you want and yeah. something else and it really lets you min-max. I mean, like, I was telling, oh, you know, say, because the way that the the game, okay, you know, just, let's put it out there, is that it can be a little difficult at times. Uh, and after you play it enough, how you build the weapons is you have to find these things called scraps throughout the game. And you, sometimes there's a very finite number of these scraps of the different types. And so there's a very finite possibility of weapon upgrades and armor upgrades that you can make because there's simply not enough parts in the game. So eventually you have to start min-maxing them. And, uh, I mean, like, you know, when you really get into what exactly you want, because you, like, what build, if you want to build a really strong sword, you can't build a really strong shield or axe. You know, it all depends on the way the parts work out. But you can also cater those uh, stats for your robot around that. So, I mean... Once you play it enough, and this is probably asking a little too much of any any person to do, but once you play it enough, you know, you can really use the system infinitely as much as you want because it, you can just mold your entire concept of w- the way you want to play the game. And one of the things I liked is that is that it's almost got it's almost got an action RPG feel to it when you're in combat uh, and it's your turn. 
you you do you are kind of restricted to a, a, a grid base almost because you've got three roads you can move up and down on and as you move left and right there's probably around 10 columns or so so you, you, there's an invisible grid that you're stuck to but the, the the way that when you go to attack you can assign the attack buttons or whatever or combos or whatnot to your to your buttons allows you to play a lot of the easier battles especially without ever opening up your traditional uh, RPG style menu you can just hit the attack buttons and finish up battles quickly that way yeah, that was cool mm-hmm. plus there's like these uh com you uh, you can set up your combos or what are the, what are they called whatever programs or yeah, something you can, yeah programs you can program your robots so like you have three basic attacks uh, shoot bomb and your melee but you can program them together and at first I thought that this was just going to be like okay they'll they'll do that these attacks in succession, but certain programs will actually do, uh, like, if you one program might, like, just do, like, a, an attack against all enemies. Um, I forget the other ones, but certain programs will do, like, a special ability, too. And I thought that was cool. It is. Was was there was there anything else to you guys that stood out really great about the battle system? Yeah, the, the horrible music. Hey, I, I kind of like the music. It's quirky and upbeat. It's whimsical. It's like a, it's like a one and a half second loop. That, yeah, it is like, a little tedious. It's a little tedious. It's just over and over. And I was like, okay, it was good. It was good at first. I'm like, oh, I'm really, I'm getting into this. But like the tenth battle, I was like, wow, I've heard this one and a half second loop like three thousand times. It's to just me, so it good. You have to listen to it over and over again. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. It sounds like somebody's trying to synthesize a whistle sound on the Super Nintendo, but not doing it very well. <laughs> battle music is not good. Not good. How were how were the ba- boss battles? <laughs> what was that? Were you belching, or did you have an opinion there? <laughs> that was a sound effect meant to convey denigration upon the boss battles. Yeah, he hasn't been having much luck, from what I hear, on, on boss <laughs> battles, so... Yeah. So what I don't remember. It's been several years since I I played through completely, so I don't remember specifically. But I don't remember having a really hard time. Maybe that was just because I was a kid and I learned the game too well. It wasn't hard anymore. So I'm I will not say sure. That, uh, sometimes in and in, in in particular, I guess the first boss battle. It's a little weird how your attacks affect the enemies. Like sometimes you'll use a bomb and it'll be like few damage, and then you'll use the same attack and it'll do a lot of damage. Maybe that was just my experience. but And then that sort of happened on on the first boss that I fought. I, I attacked it, and it, it didn't do any damage, and it was like hurting me really terribly. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to beat this. And then I just sort of did the same thing, and then I ended up hurting it a lot. So, is anybody else? Did that happen to anybody else, or is that just me? I mean, I certainly noticed how different weapons had different impacts. Um, it was more of a trial and error thing for me than anything else as far as, yeah, some enemies, uh, if if I insisted on using a gun weapon, uh, they would, they would you know, mop the floor with me. So I would change to a sword or a rocket, and that might do the trick. I've been noticing, yeah. I've been noticing mostly that uh, if I'm not quite at the right level, the boss will always hit me and I'll sometimes miss, and that's not good when I can only get a few attacks in. Also, I've been noticing that the boss is especially later on, have this horrible tendency to do more than half the damage of the entire hit point meter for a robot. 
which makes curing worthless because there's only one robot out there at a time, so you basically just have to repair a downed robot on your off times and then hope that you can that you won't run out of repairs. But did um did did you try did you try maybe just readjusting their stats to give them more hit points or defense? I tried that a little bit. Of course I was I had saved right before the boss room and I needed to either gain a level or go back to the R and D room in order to jigger with my stats, so I was somewhat limited by that. There, That is slightly annoying how you can only use the functions of the R&D lab when you gain a level if you're not at a place where it's easily accessible. Although it's better than never being able to use it outside of a town. Yeah, there were a couple of times I'd have to run back and forth and I just uh, you know, for whatever reason, because uh, whether it's because of uh, you know, I felt like I needed to grind or I needed to work on finding an item or whatever the deal was. Um, and those are usually, you know, good opportunities to kind of grind up. Did Did you all find that? Did you all find that grinding was a necessary part of the game? Did you find? Did you figure that you could just blaze through it, or did Did you have to go back and grind at times? I I definitely had to grind at times. I mean, I definitely remember that. Yeah, but I, I was think kinda, you have to grind. Yeah, yeah I'm kind of a yeah. grindy person though, so I would have probably grinded anyway. So. <laughs> I'm the type of person that I'm, and then... oh, go ahead. Okay. Uh, I'm the type of person even in like a in like a strategy RPG, I'll grind on the first couple levels a whole bunch until I'm ten levels higher than I need to be. So I mean, I didn't notice it, but I'm sure I did. You know. And um, uh, now, uh, now one of the things that one of y'all mentioned, it's a good point, is that when you're in combat, this is a little bit different from most RPGs. But even if you have a full team of three robots, you only fight with one at a time. Is is there a, a good strategic reason to have more than one robot, aside from the fact that if that one robot gets destroyed, you got a second one that lines up immediately, so oh. it's like an extra life? Is there another reason why you would have multiple robots? Sure. Sure. Like, whenever I played, I had I had one really fast robot that would use ranged weapons, so he would recharge faster. And then I had one robot that would, because uh, if I'm not mistaken, weren't the different boots? I'm not sure if you guys have explored it real well, but aren't the different boots once you get higher? Aren't they different things? Like, isn't there a tank track boot and isn't there a hover boot? And uh, I haven't seen that yet, but I've seen that the boots do increase your move range, which is very useful. Yeah. Well, the tank ones are greatly, greatly increase your defense, if I recall. And uh, I had one guy who was basically a wall, so he was, you know, had an axe, a shield, and the tank tracks. Then I had one that was my fast one that had ranged weapons, and given the situation, you know, certain enemies are, are just better at fighting, fighting melee, or they're better at taking them at ranged, or, you know, maybe you want to try to shoot them with bombs, or yeah, whatever have you. So that's an interesting interesting point. If you're going to go through, make sure you get yourself a nice good team of robots. You have a well-rounded team to have the right one out and whatnot. Did you all felt that the, that this game laid down? Well, no. Let me backtrack a little bit. Um, one of y'all mentioned how wonderfully great the battle music was. How was the music outside of the battles? Uh, unremarkable to me. Yep, I, uh, I agree. I liked it. It was whimsical. I, mean, I the, thought the entire the entire game kind of has a whimsical feel to it, though. I mean, it's you know, it's kind of happy. I just well, think yeah, it was unmemorable. When, when your human guy is looking at the screen, doesn't it look like one of his eyes is bigger than the other? Slightly. Maybe he just has a lazy eye. You never know these things. Good. 
But that's still something you just don't see very often. That's well, true. and if and if you had a lazy eye and you couldn't see very often, you might see that you need a DSI XL. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Just yep, I just set up set up my internet connection, so now, now, since it's bigger, do you get better bandwidth on that thing? You're probably pulling down. I'm pretty sure, yeah. I'm pretty sure you get everything is just bigger and better. Okay, just checking. Do y'all feel... The stylus is huge. Is it? <laughs> it looks like a... Yeah, I can't, I can't even lift it. It looks like uh, a big magic marker or something. Wait, maybe you like got one of those... Super, did you get one of those super special styluses that's made of gold? I think Nintendo didn't tell anybody about that just because they didn't want to set off a panic. I don't know. I'm confused. Hmm, what's on the DSi shop? I mean, Robotrek. <laughs> um, did y'all speaking of Robotrek? Did y'all feel like? Do you feel like this this game might have laid down the groundwork for something later on? No, nothing nah, I is mean, like it. Yeah, I, I I actually thought about this and tried to think of anything that was like it later on, and nothing the company ever made, Quintet ever made, was like it, and I don't think anything Enix ever made was like it, and if Wikipedia is to believe, it didn't sell all that well. Wikipedia says that Quintet stated at one point that it only sold 45,000 copies in Japan and 20,000 in the United States, which even back then isn't a lot of games. I mean, that's, you know... Even back then, so I guess you know while it was, it's kind of neat to look at it now. It, it obviously didn't sell well. Um, do, 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 how did you? I forgot to ask about the graphics. What were y'all's impressions Cartoony. of the graphics? Cartoony, bright visuals. <laughs> yeah, they're very bright. Yeah, and. I like how pretty much every enemy is distinct. There are a couple of palette swaps, but most of them are unique. And they, there's a lot of animation in battle, and it looks pretty good. Um, the environments, they're cute. They're not nearly as distinctive as the battle graphics, I'd say. Yeah, they, they were very deliberate with their, they were very deliberate with their sprite design. So you don't have to. They didn't try to overcomplicate the sprites to make them seem like they were more than they were, which gives it that kind of cartoony appeal, but makes it also a little bit more iconic. Um, okay, so any other thoughts or anything else on, on RoboTrack? I, I will say that if I was to take apart the, the components by themselves, and this is just my own opinion, if I was to take apart the, the graphics, I you know they were bright, but definitely certain, nothing remarkable, even by Super Nintendo um 16-bit standards or how many bits the Nintendo was. Um, the sound, I agree. The battle sound was it was almost excruciatingly repetitive. I <laughs> liked I liked the, the normal city background music, but again, it, it didn't take very long to loop. It wasn't exactly one and a half seconds, but once it was looping, it just kind of, you know, especially if you were spending a lot of time in town or whatnot. I don't believe, oh, I forgot to ask what y'all thought. What, what did y'all think about the story? Uh, this is this is an example of a translation that has not aged well. <laughs> it was just plain bad, too, uh, as far as the localization goes. Like there was uh, incorrect spellings all over the place, all over the place. Even in the manual, there was like typos. And did anybody else notice that? Because I thought it was just like yeah, a terrible I see localization. I see him in the manual too, and I just, I just fought this boss who was talking to me in the first person, and then she changes to announce, 
you know what happens when she gets mad. So if you're talking in the third person or somebody just made a big mistake there. Maybe she's really nuts and just changes her tenses a lot. It's Maybe. possible. Yeah, there's a lot of... St- <laughs> You've already met this woman multiple times and she's never talked in the third person before. Yeah, there's a lot of strange stuff like that and like misspellings like main... Your robots must be maintenant. Maintenant. It's like nobody proofed the game. What was that? What was that awesome one I found? Help me, Jonathan. I quoted this in the staff channel. Oh, I don't know now. It was something about how evil is the good. Oh yeah, it was something like that. Who said it? Was it a? Was it one of the bosses or something? I can't recall. Yeah, and then I found another one. Uh, you're entering a computer in an enemy base for some reason, and to describe what the task you're about to do by entering the computer, one of the bad guys says, it's easier than washing your pants, which just seemed really weird. Well, maybe it is. Well, wash, washing your pants is, is. can be challenging. Especially if you're doing it by hand. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. And in an RPG, I, you would expect why, people to do that by hand. Pants. Why not washing your shoes or washing your coat? What is so difficult about washing your pants that they need to be specifically mentioned? We have to well, take them off first. Them. Yeah. It depends oh, if they're really dirty. Yeah. I do have the bad habit of trying to wash my clothes while I'm wearing them. It does save time. If they have really, like, deep stains, I mean, that could take a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So I don't know. I'm confused. Well, confuses me, I guess. Well, Enix, excellent job at confusing everyone who plays Robotrek with its translation. <laughs> but um, despite despite the bad translation, I do think that there were a lot of like clever just just going along with how the battle system and the customization was unique, like uh, clever little things like when you first start, you talk to a dog, and the dog follows you around, and um. If you go talk to the NPC you're supposed to talk to, he's like, I don't like dogs, get out of here, you know? So there's like a lot of little cute things like that, um, you know, little creative things. And also, um, you have to knock on people's doors before you enter. Like, you have to ring their bell. And if you it, go in, they'll be like, get out of my house. It's it's very quirky. It's like, as quirky, as, as masterfully as done as something like Earthbound was done... It's kind of like it was trying to be that, but slightly failed a little bit. You know, it's it wasn't anywhere near as that endearing. But you know, you can, you can there's some merit there. You know, there's definitely some yeah, merit. Like, yeah. I mean, I thought I found it funny that like you go into a police station and the police officer's like, "Get the hell out of here!" Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing in here? Speaking of the plot, this is yet another example from the late Super Nintendo of time travel, right, Jonathan? From time travel? Say again? I'm confused. Well, how many games in the late in the mid '90s just had you time travel for? Oh, quite a lot. <laughs> I mean, the big one. Let's see, the big one's Chrono Trigger, obviously, which was centered entirely have... around time travel. Uh, I'm sure there's probably more action games that are centered around it too. I know maybe we were fascinated, like in pop culture, with time travel at the time. Who knows? Yeah, I just find it interesting that right after a gigantic bomb goes off and it seems like the game has ended. You find you wake up and it's the past, huh? Not much is all that different, but it's the past. 
and now you oh, can well, contribute to uh, to help build the future mayor's house by dumping tons of money into it and I guess I didn't dump enough money into it because I got no reward whatsoever and mayor in great right and and you know to kind of complete that that one thought I had before we we kind of went all over with this but it you know the the the, the story like you know I, I agree with most of y'all it's 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 cute it's got its moments poorly translated uh, you know all these different elements when you take them aside. I'll give an extra plus for the battle system because it is definitely gets uh, it gets plus in the originality um, category. But when you put all the components together, they somehow come out to more of a more than the you know the average of their different parts. You know it's just the package all together is quirky. It's different. It's original. And when I went back and uh, played it and getting ready for RPG backtrack. Um, you know, I was actually really, really into it. I mean, this could be, this could easily be a nice, quirky little DS game, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, it would have been really neat if they would have re- would have remade it. But you know, like chances of that, it's probably not real great. I mean, I mean, not the track record. Per, uh, I mean, like and this is on a tangent here, but you know, sales wise, a lot of their uh, of Square Enix's unique outings have not been selling all that great. You know, so I have a bad feeling they're just going to go back to staple series and forget about all of their legacy products. Yeah, what are the chances that Evo, the search for Eden, will ever be remade? Um, very low. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well we didn't have, I, I didn't catch any reader reader questions. Did, did, did you catch any anywhere, Mike? I didn't see any. I guess Robotrek just doesn't have the acclaim and universal <laughs> recognition that Earthbound does. No, no, it doesn't, uh, and that's a shame. But uh, you know, at the end of the show, we're gonna we'll we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how uh, how you, the audience, can get involved in RPG Backtrack by asking us questions. Uh, we'll we'll tip you off on our next uh, what we're gonna do on our next show, and and you too can ask us uh, questions, and we'll talk about them during our panel discussion. So, uh, anything else on uh, on Robotrek before we go on to our next segment, guys? Oh, if anybody out there is interested in playing Robotrek and you want to purchase it, you definitely either need the poster or game facts. Uh, this is this is slightly off, but uh, the the. Like you, how you have to construct all the parts to make things. The recipes for everything are not in game. Mm-hmm. They're on the poster that came with the game, and they have them on Game Facts. But just be aware of that. You're going to, have to be following Game Facts quite heavily if you don't have have the poster, which is one of the more. I mean, with like any game, when you buy something, the poster is always the more difficult thing to locate. So that's that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. I had forgotten mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the whole. I remember uh, talking with somebody about Ogre Battle, and I had totally forgotten it, how important that big, huge poster was yeah. uh, in Ogre Battle. It shows you how how you can the upgrades uh, and, mm-hmm, yeah. and and the requirements for upgrading. And you're just wondering why that wizard won't won't uh, upgrade. It's because his charisma right isn't right in between ten and forty or something. <laughs> it, it's very similar to that. You know, it, mm. you can live without it and use the internet, but you know, it it'd be really nice to have it. So. Well, and speaking of, if if you are looking for the original cartridge, uh, Half dot com has it arranged uh, between uh, eighteen ninety five and and thirty bucks. 
Uh, for 30 bucks, it says here in the comments that you get the uh, box in the manual, but it doesn't quite mention the poster. Uh, actually, someone has a copy listed in very good condition uh, with the manual and the bonus combination chart included for 25 bucks plus shipping. So, uh, if you're looking for this little little gem, you you can get it for for around the 25 to 30 buck area. So it's a little bit little bit better than uh, what were we talking about last week? That was 80 bucks. Earthbound. <laughs> Earthbound. Yeah. Yeah, good luck getting a complete version of that for under a hundred bucks. <laughs> I would say good luck getting that a complete version with box and good condition for under one fifty. That's an expensive game. Mm-hmm. And my advice would be anybody who, who's who's gonna who's gonna play this, you know, give it a little bit of time to grow on you. If you're, you know, it kind of gets off to a little bit of a slow start in, in some areas and comes across a little generic. But the the more you play it, especially if you do take the time to to get into some of the FAQs on how to build the things and whatnot. Uh, the more the more Delphine grow on you, so it's definitely a fun little game. All right, any, anything else, guys? That's all I have to say. Nine. All righty. Well, with all that being said, and our nines right behind our uh, tens and whatnot, we're ready to go ahead and talk about Mike's Import Corner. <laughs> This week we're going to talk about Kabuki Rocks, which I did not know anything about until four months ago, I think, when Michael Baker, our Japan Demonium correspondent who happens to live in Japan, found this on a store shelf and thought I might be interested. So I did an exchange, I can't remember what I sent him, but he sent me the game and I was pleasantly surprised to find something is it, that is, is it, very enjoyable. Is it exactly what you think it would be? About Kabuki? <laughs> well, well, in a I'm just sense. Curious. <laughs> there is one a- there are there's one aspect of it which is very, very kabuki, and that is every battle doesn't take place uh, with a standard backdrop. Instead it looks like a kabuki set of whatever whatever landscape you're on. So you'll be battling on a wooden set with what looks like a wooden tree in the background instead of something that looks realistic. Hmm. And there what is, is one a kabuki. Other- a kabuki? It's that strange. Uh, uh, let's see. Another uh, Japanese theater. Like it's Japanese theater, and uh, it has heavy, really heavy makeup and costumes and wigs and things. And it's. And uh, they normally don't rock. Yeah. yeah. Your main character, Rock. Yes, that's his name, Rock. Uh, he definitely came right out of a kabuki show. He's got a completely white face. And he does have a wig, although it looks more like the wig you saw on those troll dolls way back when. So that in his artwork, he seems to gain at least an extra foot from the wig alone in height. It's, um, of, it's probably just generic kabuki. They seem to make every single guy kabuki look the same. I'm not sure if they all look like that in Japan or not, but in, in anything we ever see in the West. It's always some guy in some like red or white robe. With a white face and huge hair. Looks like he could be from Dragon Ball. <laughs> Let me pull up Kabuki's art here. Yes, he... His hair looks like a troll doll. He's got a white face. And he's wearing... Well, what looks like a cross between medieval Japanese wear and something that you would wear if you were going to go pilot a super robot. 
it's hard to describe, and I don't think I can find a picture of it because th- this is not exactly a well-known game, but he looks goofy. <laughs> In an endearing way. And let's see. The magic system is truly unique in this game. Most of your equipment is like you'd find in any RPG, except for how you do magic, because you have to go into every town and buy, say, a new drum set for your character, or a new guitar, and you equip that, and it increases your magic (laughs) power. And Uh. you don't learn magic by going out and killing things. You learn magic by going to a karaoke bar and singing. (laughs) And once you sing, you learn some new songs, which are your magic. But your evil enemies like to shut down the karaoke bars in the middle of the game, I noticed. That's very mean of them. You can't go sing karaoke for a while. <laughs> so is this, um, like, is, is the setting stuff. more of, like, a like a more of a modern setting, or is this supposed to be, like, a feudal Japan setting, or...? Actually, try all of the above. The, oh, that's the great. World of, the world of Kabuki Rocks, looking at the picture here, it's kind of like, uh... You know those science pictures of the, the top layer of the skin is at the top, and then you see every sub-layer expanded down? Yeah. That's kind of what the world of Kabuki Rocks looks like in this art. So you have a standard sort of medieval grassland on top, and then you use a spaceship somehow to go down to the next level, which looks like... Um, what were all of them? Yeah, there's, a, there's an industrial town, and then there's what looks like nothing but kabuki backdrops and then there's another one that looks like a lava world and you move between them by spaceship which is okay well, how, I'll go that's how, that's, that's how kabukis move around obviously I mean you know clearly oh, yeah. yeah and I seem to recall that in order to get to the last part the last level you end up having to fight a giant robot using your from your spaceship which was interesting to say the least uh, another interesting thing is that a lot of your characters die in this game, but one of the characters you gain has the ability to bring the souls of your deceased party members back and attach them to the people who are still living so that they gain additional stats from the dead. I've never nice. seen that before. That's a uh, bonus. Yeah. That's cool. What else was there? Uh, wait, Mike, did you say the last boss is a thing that's been in your spaceship the whole time? No, that's in, that's just in order to get to the last part of the game. The last boss... Actually, I don't remember it too strongly. The last boss wasn't as remarkable as I would have liked. But there are lots of really freaking weird enemies as you go through. Like, remember the foot from Monty Python's animations? I swear that yes. thing is in this game. You have to Along fight a foot? With... Oh, yes. It's just How a does gigantic... it attack you? Uh, there isn't any animation in battle, so it's hard to say. Uh, okay, it just says it does this much damage or something. Yeah. Or, oh. Sim- Disappointing. And along, with, and along with the big foot with the hairy leg, there is a woman's foot with a high heel that you also have to fight. So you sounds fight like, feet, lots of feet. This sounds you like do. a Tengai Makio type weird level. Oh yes, here. and it's made, by, it's made by the same people who did Tengai Makio, which was part of what drew me to it. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense, so... <laughs> Um, it's a, one thing that makes it a little more challenging than I would have liked is enemies really, really love to run away from you. The first thing they do half the time is run away, which makes it hard to grind sometimes. Huh. 
I don't like those little boogers that run away. It's like that World of Warcraft. Little guy starts running away. You're beating the mess out of him. He starts running away like a chicken. I have to chase him down. Slowing down my grinding speed. Some of them are pretty strong. Most of them aren't. And to get around that, they just run away instead of fighting you. <laughs> Very aggravating. Yeah, I think I've covered most of the major points of Kabuki Rocks unless somebody has uh, something else that I need to bring up. Do you think it's worth importing? You'll definitely get the the very whimsical and nutty feel of it. But one thing there's no there's no translation of it, although there is a fact on game facts, so you'll be missing a fair amount unless you're fluent in the language. So the language, is, the language can be a little bit of a barrier. On the bright side, on the bright side, if you did want to play it, there is some on eBay right now for seven dollars. Complete in box. Oh dang! Yeah. It's even cheaper than RoboTrek. <laughs> You'd have to import it from Japan, but I mean, you know, shipping would cost more. Did you guys know there is a KabukiRocks.com? Really? Yes, I kept finding that, which is about a band instead of <laughs> game, while I was trying to. <laughs> You know, I, I, I entirely admit yeah. I've been googling this while we've we've been you know you've been talking about it and I found Kabuki Quantum Fighter for NES and Kabuki Warriors for Xbox which I own. Uh, if you yeah, go I, on I, a, if you go on KabukiRocks.com, you'll see that at the top of the page it says tons of rock. So if anybody's interested in that, who isn't interested in tons of rock? I would search that out. <laughs> Well, with a, well, a description like that, how can I resist? Tons of rock, exclamation point. <laughs> Not rock music, just rock. Yeah, sorry. I'll, uh, I'll be quiet now. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else that I need to be addressing on this game? I think that pretty much well covers it. Mm -hmm. Okie dokie. Well, uh, let's move on to... I'm going to kind of combine these together because they're kind of short. Our question and answers uh, and our contest section. everyone who's written on the boards. There's a lot of people writing some great comments back and forth. You've been keeping an eye on them too, Mike? Yep. And, the, praise uh, is always, the praise is always helpful. We like to see that. That's right. If my, if my head gets any bigger, like I'll need something bigger than a minivan to drive around in. We haven't seen anybody calling for our heads to be chopped off yet, and I like that. That's always a bonus. Um, I thought what was really interesting was, uh, I think Paws posted on the board, I think it was Paws who who posted that uh, that our last RPG backtrack was actually since it was about Earthbound, coincidentally enough, it was featured on EarthboundCentral.com. Uh, so a big shout out to those guys. We appreciate them spreading, helping to spread the word about uh, RPG backtrack. Definitely. Um, and uh, here's where we come up with our with our. Do we do we have a? Do we do? Did you do a contest question this week, Mike? Well, I've got one. If we want to do it. Hmm. It's a little bit. It's a little bit different than the last couple because it requires you to pay to have paid close attention to our skit. 
Yeah, yeah. We we take great pride we we take great pride in pride in our skits and whatnot. So so um the 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 prize if you can you can uh well Mike, first tell them what the contest is exactly. You have to ID every character that we used a sample of in the skit this week. That that's gonna be a tough call because there's quite a few of them in there. I didn't say it would be easy. No, not easy at all. Good luck on that one, um, and whatnot. And, and if you if you get it right, you can get a, a fifteen dollar. Uh, we're gonna do a fifteen dollar Amazon gift certificate this time. So we're not buying anybody railroad tracks. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Whoo! And um, so our next show is going to be covering a teeny tiny. Itsy bitsy little known RPG called Final Fantasy Seven. Uh, Ooh, any of you guys heard of that one before? You'll have to talk to me more about it. I know nothing about this game. Yeah, Mike's Mike's a Final Fantasy Seven outcast or something. Well, you you guys have heard of this one before, haven't you? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> nope. Whoever said nope's not invited to the party, <laughs> unless you go out and play Final Fantasy Seven right now. I'm already that's at the, the party. That's the yeah. game with Mario and Malo, right? I'm right. Maybe. We'll also be talking about Mana, uh, Kamiya, Alchemist of Al Revis or whatever. And please forgive me if I just butchered that whole title because I don't do enunciations properly. That was on the PS2. We'll also be touching base about uh, a little really quirky RPG that came out on the PS2 a couple years ago and also on the Wii called Baroque. Was it broke or was it fixed? Um, question and comments. We encourage everybody to write question comments on the boards regarding any of these games, uh, these three games, and we and the panel will discuss them uh, on our next RPG backtrack, which actually will be in about three weeks. Actually, you can also uh, email those to jcservin at rpgamer.com. Um, now, now this is a little bit of a surprise. Something I just kind of thought up, Mike. Let me ask you what you think about this. We're just we're just gonna go gun gun. Uh, what is that called? Gun. Shot or shotgun? Shotgun. We're gonna go shotgun here. Hey, Mike, check this out. How about this for an idea? What if, what if, uh, what if we open this, uh, open up our RPG backtrack a little bit and allow our listeners to record and mail in uh, their reviews on the, the games that we're gonna talk about on the next show? Does that sound like a good idea, guys? Doesn't bother me. Sure. Yeah. So check it out. Here's how it works. Um, get your recording software. Uh, you can download something like Audacity uh, or something like that. It's very easy. If you've got a microphone or a headset or a webcam, it's very easy to do an audio recording. Um, it needs to be under two minutes. If it's over two minutes, I more than likely will not even consider it uh, because we got to make sure that we allow enough time on there for everyone to talk you can uh, I, you can do a two minute uh, review on either Final Fantasy 7 uh, Manicamia Alchemist of Al Rivis or whatever it's called and Baroque and or Baroque um, and uh, just sa save those as mp3 files that's the only audio format I will accept and send that to jcservant at rpgamer.com and as an extra incentive um, uh, we will choose one person at random or, or maybe Mike will just pick the one that he likes the most. Uh, and they will also win a $15 Amazon gift certificate card. So you got a little incentive to tell us your thoughts on one of those games. Just make sure, again, it's got to be under two minutes. It's got to be an MP3 format. And you want to mail that to JC Servant. That's J-C-S-E-R-V as in Victor, A-N as in Nancy, T at RPGamer. 
com. So with all of that, uh, I don't think there's anything else, guys. Can, did I miss anything? Can I review um, Birds and Beans for DSiWare for the podcast <laughs> or no? <laughs> I'm just bringing it all back to the DSi Excel. Is is it a is it a is it a uh, is it an RPG? Um, I don't think so, but it's got no. birds and beans. Birds it's... and beans. Do they do they at least role play with each other or something? There's a narrative. There's a narrative. There's a story. yeah. You're role playing as a bean. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. That that's cool. Do you want to do that right now? Or you want to do it on the next show? I haven't finished it yet, so that would okay. be proper. All right, so next show, we'll, we'll give you your two minutes of glory, too. I think we can do that for you, because you're, you're such a great guy. Are you coming yeah. back for the Final Fantasy VII show? Well, I hope so. I hope so. I think that's going to be a big party. <laughs> I, just, I just get this feeling that even though it's such an obscure RPG, I get the feeling uh, 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 Mike's probably got a few, um, a few guests lined up for us. We should have every single person that wants to be on, on, and just have it be crazy. Be, be one crazy party. Well, that Mike's in charge of that, so you have to talk to Mike. He, he lines up our guests. So, oh man, I don't know if we can handle so much crazy, awesome stuff happening. Give <laughs> it a shot. All right. So uh, we thank you for listening to RPG Backtrack. Remember, you can write your questions and comments on our boards at rpgamer.com. Send your audio reviews of Final Fantasy VII, Minecamia, or Baroque to jcservant at rpgamer.com. Mike, would you send us away? I do believe that we have done with our week for the, for the week. This week is no longer weekly. And my attempt to do a bit here has failed miserably, so let's just end it before I embarrass myself anymore. Mm-hmm.